0: Hey, it's Alana, and here's another episode of Black and Yellow coming in hot! What's up, Black and Yellow Nation? I am happy to have you back with me for another episode. If you're a new listener, welcome. I am thrilled to have you joining me today. And if this is your first episode ever listening to Black and Yellow and I'm popping that cherry for you, I am doubly excited because my guest today is rad. So it's a great uh, first taste of the podcast. And if you're a returning listener, welcome back. I can't wait to have you listen in on today's conversation. So for the next two episodes, I'm going to be talking about a hot button issue. No, I'm not going to be talking about getting vaccinated. You can listen to a plethora of other podcasts for that. I am going to be talking about the great resignation, specifically how the great resignation is affecting women and people of color. It's going to be a two parter. Whether you intentionally blocked it out of your memory completely or somehow just completely forgot, to which I envy you, a massive pandemic happened last year, ladies and gentlemen, which caused a worldwide lockdown, giving billions of people a lot of time to think Think about what makes them happy. Think about what makes them miserable. Think about what changes they want to make in their life once the pandemic is over. Should it ever actually end? And to think about what they do not want to do once the world reopens. And for a lot of people, that meant saying peace out. Bye-bye. See ya later. Hasta la vista. And deuces to their soul-sucking nine-to-fives. Surveys have shown that up to 41% of workers may consider leaving their current jobs as the pandemic wanes. And so far in 2021, these numbers appear to be somewhat accurate. The year at The U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics reported record numbers of job openings and quits in April of 2021, which was when resignations peaked and some four million other people quit their jobs in July as well. So four million by April and four million in July. That's a lot of people saying sayonara and never coming back to their nine to fives and opting to find different fields of work, find different methods of work. And a lot of people had varying reasons for participating in the Great Resignation, whether people were looking for safer, less toxic workplace cultures, higher pay, better treatment, more opportunities, or work that actually fulfills them. The Great Resignation is having a tremendous effect on our workforce that is sure to have lasting impacts for at least the next decade, but I'm guessing the next two. And so in today's episode, I wanted to zero in and talk about women specifically, and I wanted to talk about how the Great Resignation is affecting them. And in doing my research for this episode, I came across a great article by today's guest on Forbes.com, which I will link to in today's show notes that got to the heart of how this workplace interruption is affecting women. I think you're going to really enjoy hearing from her and all of the work that she's doing to help women who are navigating this this tricky transitional time, um, how she's doing that as well. So stay tuned because before we get to our interview, we got to put our money where our mouth is. For any new listeners to the pod, this is my small business segment where I want you to diversify your dollars. I want you to think about the money that you spend, the companies or businesses that you're spending it with, and make an effort to support Black-owned businesses, to support Asian-owned businesses, to spread the money around a little bit, look for alternatives other than Amazon. Crazy thought, I know. And uh, this segment is geared towards helping you do that. So I like to spotlight one Asian-owned business and one Black-owned business to uh, just make some gentle suggestions so that you can add these into your shopping repertoire for your everyday shopping needs or for your specialized i.e. gift shopping needs uh with the holidays right around the corner who doesn't need a couple more of those and with that said i'm going to start my first business it's my asian-owned business it's called milk and honey clay on the socials they are at milk and honey dot clay they're based in beaverton oregon and it's filipina owned and it was launched by a woman named Jana greenleaf perez So, milk and honey clay is a passion project inspired by a desire to bring awareness to the injustice of human trafficking. She makes the most adorable handmade clay earrings that will make you awe at first sight. They are the cutest things, and her minimalist aesthetic can easily pair with different types of styles that you're rocking. From preppy to maybe a little bit rocker. It's maybe a little bit chic or classic. It will go with all of them. And you can know that your purchase has a purpose because for each pair of earrings and accessories that's purchased, 20% of the profits will be donated to an anti-human trafficking nonprofit organization in the United States or around the world. So, Next time you're looking to treat yourself right or treat a loved one that you uh, hold near and dear and is maybe in need of a little bit of treating, uh, look towards Milk and Honey Clay for a great pair of clay earrings that support a really good cause. You can shop MilkAndHoneyClay.com. And so for my black Company, I chose Shea Radiance. On the socials, they are at Shea Radiance. And so, in the black community, the OG moisturizer is Shea Butter, no questions asked. It smells great, it feels really good on your skin, and is treated more or less like a multi purpose item. You know, you can use it on your hair, you can use it on your feet. We believe it heals certain skin ailments like eczema. Uh, It can also be on the heavier side. That's like the common knock that some people who don't like using shea butter have. And if that person is you, let me suggest Shea Radiance. I came across Shea Radiance on IG. Uh, I think it was supposed having to do with their whipped Shea butters, which I didn't know something like that existed, Uh, but I had to try it. My, My interest was piqued. And so I would say if butter and a cloud had a baby, it would be Shea Radiance's whipped Shea butter. I use it on days after I shave or exfoliate Anything that sort of strips my skin of any uh, additional oils that would already be taken out of my skin during the showering process. And I love Shea Radiance for just moisturizing and wrapping my skin in the love that it needs. It was created by a woman named Fulayo Alabi. And Shea Radiance is a fair trade hair and body care company that utilizes sustainable supply chains to empower women and communities in West Africa. So for all of your smooth skin needs, hop right on over to SheaRadiance.com. I'll put links to these companies in the show notes. And now, without further ado, let's get to our guest today. So Deborah Boulanger is the CEO of The Great Do-Over, founder of the Launch Lab for Women Entrepreneurs, and host of the Life After Corporate podcast. She helps smart, accomplished women leaders make the leap from corporate to entrepreneurship. Over the last 20 years Deb has launched dozens of services that generated hundreds of millions in revenue for her clients and launched and grew a single division from 0 to $32 million in 30 30- Months. She has taught and advised hundreds of new and aspiring women entrepreneurs to use these same proven strategies to test their business ideas and validate their money
1: making model. Deborah
0: Boulanger, welcome to the Black and Yellow Podcast.
1: Alana, I am so friggin' honored that you asked me to be here. I was listening to your podcast this morning. I was like, oh my God, this woman rocks. I love the conversation she's having. And I am so honored to be here on your show.
0: Thank you so much for saying that. I found your work and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you because I feel like you are one of the few people who are having conversations about this very topic. So hats off to you for continuing the conversation of the great resignation and women and what is happening once they leave their nine to five. Uh, Thank you so much for your amazing work. I'm really happy to have you on. So you've had a really fascinating and really wonderfully varied career trajectory, which is a huge part of the reason that I wanted to talk to you today. But first things first, please tell my audience a little bit more about you and the work that you do.
1: Yeah, so I was, I graduated from college as a special education teacher, and I won't tell you what year that was, but I will (laughs) tell you that I was working full time. I was doing home visits with my students and I was waitressing four nights a week just so I could pay my rent. And around that time, there was this big trend with technology and office automation and computer programming. And I decided that I needed to be in business if I was going to make a living. And so it was a very practical decision. And I eventually ended up at a company called Gartner, and I got a sales job there, and from there just happened to keep making my way up that corporate ladder uh, until I hit burnout. And at that point, it was like, wow, I'm getting a divorce. I have a 12-year-old kid, and what am I going to do now? But I realized that I couldn't continue on the path that I was on, that that just wasn't sustainable. And I was working actually with a health coach and a personal trainer, just kind of like getting my health all up there because, you know, burnout takes a lot out of you. So does Mm -hmm. the corporate world. (laughs) (laughs) I hear that. um, (laughs) And so um, I got a coaching certification and I created my company, which is called The Great Do-Over. Yes. And the great do-over has never been more timely than it is right now. I feel like I was 10 years premature, but at that time <laughs> it was all about helping women in midlife reinvent their lives, no matter what was going on. If it was a relationship that went sour or just a relationship with your body that wasn't sustainable anymore and you needed to up your health or it was a change in career. And then as I got deeper into it, and I was in all of these masterminds and communities of other women entrepreneurs who were just starting out. I realized most of these women don't even have a good idea. Like mm. they, don't, they don't have a business model. They just, they just had an idea. It was never tested or vetted. And they struggled. And what happened was most of the women who were in that first cohort mastermind that I was in burnt through their savings and ended up uh, bootstrapping themselves right back into a job. And that's when I said, oh, my God, I can fix this. I am a launch professional because in the corporate world, I I realized that I had a good nose for spotting what was missing in the marketplace Mm -hmm. and creating something that solved that problem. And I tested all those ideas. I would have conversations with human beings. It wasn't like I was in a, a room <laughs> with yeah. a bunch of guys who were thinking up the latest thing. We were, mm. we were talking to customers and we said, you know, what's, what's missing? What do you wish you had? And I developed uh, many of the concepts for this company's flagship products, their service offerings. And I decided I could help women do that too. So then, uh, you know, so now is just the perfect time with everything that's going on in the world right now.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you, when the pandemic happened, I'm sure you like looked to your right and your left and you were like, I think this is me. I think, I think this is me. I think this is, this is the great do over. Like, let's, we're going to do this right now. This is the perfect
1: time. You are so right. You're 100% (laughs) right because... And it was so funny because I, you know, I must've ordered something from Diane von Furstenberg at some point. And I got this <gasps> gift box, right? I got this gift box in the mail and in the gift box was a necklace that said in charge. Oh, and when the pandemic hit, I put that on. I was like, yeah, that's right. I, mm-hmm. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm in charge with how I mentally deal with this I'm in charge of what I do with my business. And at that time, as you likely know, there's a lot of fear. Mm -hmm. Uh, Everything stopped. So if you were making money by speaking on stages, you weren't speaking on stages. If you were consulting to corporations, you were no longer consulting to corporations. So it was really my moment to step forward as a leader to say, hey, you're in charge. There are still needs in the world. There are still many gaps and and people trying to solve problems, including leaders who were dealing with remote workers and didn't know how to translate corporate culture to uh, people who were bringing their physical events online. Uh, there were just uh, mothers who were then suddenly homeschooling their kids and who weren't teachers. I mean, if uh-huh. you look at it, <clears throat> the pandemic... You know, although it took away opportunity, it created new opportunities that still exist today. Definitely. Um, I
0: love that your I
1: love, I believe in a sign. I believe in an omen.
0: I love that yours came from Diane von Furstenberg, probably one of the most, in my opinion, badass bosses in the world today with a career that has spanned so many decades and she's still kicking. I love that that sign came from her to you. Uh, and I think this is a great time to talk about the great resignation because it is upon us. It is alive. It is well. It is affecting workers of all genders, all sexual orientations, all ages in most career fields. And I want to zero in specifically on women and ask what's fueling women's decisions to leave the workforce in mass and not return?
1: Well, You know, for all the progress that we've made as women, which I would question all the progress. um, (laughs) We haven't made much progress, right? So culturally, um, society, uh, women are caregivers, you know, even if women are the primary wage earners in their families, when suddenly kids are home from school, someone's got to take care of them or there's an, an ailing parent It's typically the women who are stepping up and carrying that burden. But something else very, very interesting happened during the pandemic. It's when women were forced to work from home, they suddenly had balanced lives. That even though they were stressed with having children at home, they were like, oh, I can be with my family. I can run an errand in the middle of the day. I don't have to dress up in a suit and pumps. In fact, you know, I think I know right. so many women who can't even put their <laughs> heels on anymore. <laughs> right?
0: Uh, yeah, definitely.
1: You know, after wearing fuzzy slippers for 18 months, you know, heels just aren't happening. Totally. So I think it was a huge wake up call that um, it's almost like that. Proverbial story of, you know, how do you cook a frog? You know, you put it in a pot of cold water, turn on the heat, and it doesn't even know it's cooking. Right. And I don't think we knew we were cooking. I don't think we knew how extensive the burnout really was. And McKinsey did a real interesting study. They showed that the higher up, the more responsibility you had, and the more senior you were as a woman in the workplace the more significantly the burnout was. You felt it even even more strongly. And so this opened up this whole field of choice where before we didn't feel like we had a choice of how we operated. Now, I knew I had a choice because I made a choice 10 years ago. (laughs) But that choice was very scary for many people. And now I think they're not so afraid.
0: Totally. I agree with that 100%. Yeah, I um I agree with you. I also think that the uh, the emotional labor and the I would say the the spiritual labor that women have to deal with when we get home and away from work, that's not paid. And that's still I think even in the most um balanced of households, even if you have a quote feminist marriage and you you feel like you're splitting work 50/50 and you're trying to be super equal at home, I think that women still take on little extra work here and there that households don't even realize moms and or, or or women take on just to make lives run a little bit smoother and a little bit easier. Like none of that work is paid, but we're still expected to do it, so to speak.
1: Yeah, you know, it's all those unspoken things. Like my my partner's grandmother never taught him how to cook, you know, so ah. <laughs> when okay. it comes to like preparing meals. At <laughs> Yeah. And he was great during the pandemic. I will, I will uh, shout out that he created five meals that he could make, including one was pizza at home with a cauliflower crust, because I'm gluten free, mm. and roasted chicken, and there was something else. So, but he created this, this road, rotating portfolio of five meals, because I said, hey, I might be home and you might be home, but just because I know how to cook doesn't mean I make all the meals. And so <laughs> that was just yeah. one way that we kind of divided responsibility here, but there's all of these unspoken, unwritten rules. And as I've learned more, and as uh, as I've hung out with more women through these last 10 years, and the, and especially these last three or four years with more women of color and and learning about unconscious bias, It's also opened my eyes to the microaggressions that even I as a white woman have suffered in the corporate world and that um, none of it is cool.
0: Yeah, definitely. For sure. I think the patriarchy would like for us to believe that women have made more strides uh, in the, the career, in the workforce than we have. But the reality is, and you said this in your article, our work field, our workforce has been broken for a while. It has not been great to women. It has not been great to people of color. And I like that you mentioned a, a field of choice is open now. I think that's a really rich and vivid image because you're right. We no longer have to go back to the nine to five. We no longer have to go back to the live to work model. People actually got to experience what it was like to work to live, which I'm sure many people have never experienced that before or didn't realize that was a reality that could exist for them.
1: Yeah. And so the opportunity really is to be able to see yourself in a new way, to see that uh, you do have skills that can sustain yourself. And this open field does not need to be where, you know, I'm a female founder and I need to have a co-founder and I need to get venture funding. Mm. You can be a consultant and sell your services and sell your skills and support your family and have a lifestyle business. It doesn't mean that everyone's going to build up a business that they'll eventually exit from. You can build a (laughs) business around your life.
0: Well, this is a great segue to my next question. So if women are opting to go back to the nine to five traditional
1: work, then where are we going? What are we doing for work? If they're not opting to go back to the nine-to-five, you mean? Or if they are... Yeah. If they're opting to not go back. Right, right. So this is where what I said during the pandemic, new opportunities emerged. And I have many of my clients are focused on issues around sustainability, around environmental consciousness, around diversity, equity, and inclusion, but not in a, a way that's paying lip service to, we need more people of color in the company, but it's what does equity really mean? What does inclusion mm-hmm. really mean? And mm-hmm. how are we putting in systems and methods measurements and metrics to really uh, move that needle forward. The other very, very popular area for women to go into is coaching, right? So of course, you know, we're caregivers, we're supporters, we're cheerleaders. So coaching is a great opportunity. And the coaching academies, whether you're a life coach or leadership coach, executive coach, health coach, they're churning out hundreds of thousands of newly minted coaches And they don't give you a whole lot of uh, business building Mm. education or support in that. And so what happens is everyone graduates and they've got their their new certification and they build out their (laughs) website and then they wait for the clients to come. And Mm. the truth is um, for anyone who's listening to this podcast is that you need to have a very specific problem that you solve. And a unique way of approaching that problem with a solution that delivers real value and a way to articulate it in a real compelling way. So the Launch Lab for Women Entrepreneurs, which was a program I created four years ago, was to do that. It's not about a cookie cutter, you know, hey, build your course online or build out your membership program, make a million dollars. You know, let's be honest, that shit just doesn't work for most Mm -hmm. people. But you get to do you, you get to pick your lane that you want to own. And then we do the work up front to craft a unique value proposition where you can go out there and people are saying, oh my God, she's speaking to me. Mm-hmm. I want what what she's offering. And Definitely. I think that's the opportunity. And there's a gazillion opportunities out there. You just need to look in your heart and figure out, you know, what breaks your heart, what pisses you off. Where is there a gap in the marketplace? Where is there a problem that you can solve? I hope it's okay to swear on your podcast. Definitely,
0: I was actually going to say <laughs> you're speaking my language because I love that you didn't say what makes you happy. It's like what pisses you off. Yes, so you can fix it. A little pissed off attitude goes a long way. A hundred percent.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent. And you know, for it's a slow slog to build change from the inside. And I think that's why so many women, you know, according to statistics, and I've heard two different ones, one in four, one in three women are deciding not to go back to work and to create something new for them, themselves and their lives, is that there are opportunities to solve really meaningful problems and in a way that feels good to you. And the fear is, of course, let's talk about the fear and, and call out the elephant in the room, the corporate paycheck.
0: Oh, okay. Talk about it. I've already got chills. That's a hard thing to turn down. It is.
1: The only (sighs) thing I miss is really paid time off. I mean, (laughs) I had, in my last position, I had five weeks of paid vacation. And I I do admit that I do miss those five weeks of paid vacation. But other than that, there's not a whole lot that I miss in the corporate world. Yet there are some very good things that you learn in corporate that are super important to your business, like goal setting and paying attention to your numbers, you know, setting yourself a quota, understanding what it takes to sell and convert new clients. Because if you, if you don't like to sell, you either have to get over it, find someone else to do it or go back (laughs) and get a job because sales is part of the equation here. So, um, you know, women are opting out because they want more control over their impact. They want more control over their money and they want to make the decisions for how they focus their time and the impact they make through their work. And there is no glass ceiling outside of the corporate world. That's kind of a a fake, fake thing that corporate cultures are, have put into place. I mean it's not that the glass ceiling is fake it's it's real there is sure. a, a level to which most women don't exceed beyond uh but there's no glass ceiling if you leave sure
0: definitely and thank you for being so real about the 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 downside, quote unquote, so to speak, the thing that you'll be leaving behind if you choose to leave your corporate job and start a business of your own or uh, start a career field of your own is you. There are going to be nice parts about it that are going to be hard to turn down. Like the five weeks of paid vacation is a really great cushy benefit. That yeah, when you decide, I don't want to go back to my nine to five corporate is just not for me. It's not really filling my cup anymore. There are things like that that are hard to let go of, but I'm sure there's a lot more fulfillment in the opportunity to create something that is hundred percent uniquely your own. And that you feel like you're filling a void. You feel like you're solving a problem. You feel like you're making someone's life a little bit easier, better, happier, more fulfilled. Um, that makes leaving the, the five weeks of paid vacation just a little bit easier.
1: It does. And you know, there's this this falsehood that we perpetuate that making money on your own needs to be hard. Once mm. you do the upfront work and once you have clarity on that problem you solve because no one pays for things to change if it's not a problem, if there's not some pain point there. So that's why yeah. we talk about what problem you solve and what's the gap in the market. But once you find that and once you have a value proposition that really resonates, Six-figure revenue growth can be predictable mm. and it's predictable based on your own behavior. And the truth is too many new women entrepreneurs try to do too many things like, oh, okay, I'll have this online course and then I'll have this membership program. And then over here, I do some consulting. I'll and, have a newsletter.
0: I'll have uh, some products. Yes. I hear what you're saying. Yeah.
1: Social selling, you know, chat bots. whatever, you know, all the things and the truth is, all you need to do is have one solution, one way of reliably getting new clients, and money is literally like water, and you control the flow. So I'll tell you a story that really brings us home. So during Please. the pandemic, you mentioned, you know, the in-charge necklace and, and all of that, the Diane von Furstenberg. It was like I realized I was in control of the flow because what made me different from many other entrepreneurs is I had built my entire multiple six-figure business based on delivering great webinars and extending Mm -hmm. an invitation for people to work with me when they were ready to. So all I did was double down on that strategy. And in 2020, I doubled my revenue. And then I said, oh, so this is how it works. You don't need to do all the things. You need to have one thing that works exceptionally well, that is predictable in your business model so that you control how many clients you want and how much money you want at any given point in time. I love all of this. I want to continue on and just ask you, you've
0: talked a lot about opportunity. And in your Forbes article, there's a great quote that I want you to unpack a little bit if you wouldn't mind. And that quote is, uh, there's an opportunity for women entrepreneurs to rewrite the rules of success in this great resignation. In a
1: perfect world, uh, what would you like some of those rewritten rules to be? So it doesn't matter how old you are. So one of the the things that hits women in the corporate world is is ageism or lack of opportunity for women of color. And when you rewrite the rules of success in your own world, those constraints no longer exist anymore. So I participated in a conference last week called Stage 2 Startups, and it was all female founders over 40 who had- or it wasn't even female founders. It was founders over 40. So people would, and most of them were over 50 and some over 60. So those, those rules, which, which the unwritten rules that apply to women that eventually she ages out or, uh, women who have children and who are raising families are not great corporate employees because they have multiple responsibilities. So we are rewriting the rules of success on our terms. And um, so where was I going with that? Um, So yeah. (laughs) Rewritten rules. Uh,
0: Age will no longer be a thing. You can start a business at any age because any great idea, any void in the market that you spot, there's a business for it regardless of how old you
1: are. If you're
0: raising a family, I hope this is jogging your memory.
1: Oh no, absolutely. A hundred percent. And, um, you were able to create anything that, that you want to, there really are no limits here. Mm -hmm. And the only limits are the internal limits that you brought with you to the table, which don't even belong to you either, because you carried limits with you from your childhood, from your ancestors, things Mm -hmm. that culturally were, um, indoctrinated within us when we were little girls. And none of that is true. So if you can get clear that you truly are limitless, that you truly are blessed, that anything is possible for you, and you get the skills—I won't get all woo-woo here—but you have. Please, I, I love woo-woo. <laughs> Go for it, I, loving it. But you—you you also have the serious skills that you need, and you can get beyond the—the the fact that women are worth less. So this is something else that is rewriting the rules of success is that just by our very upbringing and what we've been taught and the experiences that we've had, the message has been that women are worth less than men. Not worthless, but worth less than. And Mm -hmm. so when it comes to women putting a price on their services or putting a value on what they're offering to their clients, most of the time we shrink back into a shell and say, oh my God, my ideal clients could never afford that. Or um, mm. I could never charge that. Or wow, two hundred and fifty dollars an hour—that seems so high. We lowball and ourselves. We lowball. We discount, discount, discount ourselves. Better word. And yeah, lowball, discount um, our our skills and our talents, mm-hmm. and it's been so mind-blowingly amazing that when I do a, a pricing talk with a group of women entrepreneurs. I'll even tell them, if you don't believe me on your next opportunity to quote your services, just double your price. Just do it and see what Mm -hmm. happens. Be be willing to walk away from it if it doesn't happen, but just double your prices. And I will tell you, Alana, I had a woman stop me on the street in New York City and say, Deb Boulanger. I said, yes. (laughs) She (laughs) She said, you changed my life. I went to your pricing masterclass and I remember her because I asked for someone who is willing to play with me on, on their pricing scenarios. And I showed her what it would look like if she doubled her prices. And she said, I did. And I now make twice as much money. I am on the track to hit six figures as a side hustle, mind you, side hustle, not even full-time gig amazing and this has happened over and over and over again i have another client who is a in-demand change management consultant i mean she can do this stuff in her sleep and she was charging 125 dollars an hour and the the thing is that no one's buying your time they're buying you they're they buying the results you. They're, ah, okay, got it. They're buying the results that you delivered. They're buying the outcomes. They're buying the promise that their problem is going to go away, and that has a a value to it. And I I actually coined a term called return on advantage. Ooh, R O A. R O A. So what's the R O A of what you're proposing? So it's really shifting you into a new mindset that you're not selling time. You're not selling hours. Um, You don't price your services on what you think your clients can afford. You price your services based on the return on advantage that you deliver.
0: Hmm. Fascinating. I really love the idea that you are encouraging women to charge double, to, to, to fairly price their talents. I do think that you're right, that we as women basically are told you are worth less because women's work is not as valuable as men's work. Or sometimes we as women feel like, ah, I want to help this person. I'm okay to take a personal financial hit in an effort to help person A, B, or C. I think that that's very much in our female nature. But I love that you are encouraging women to ask for double because
1: you're worth double. I love that messaging. At least double, you know, at least (laughs) double. And so this has happened so often that now it's a pattern that I, so anyone who's listening to this podcast, just double your prices and see what happens because nothing bad happens when women make more money. Nothing. Nothing Nothing at all. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing bad happens. Because I agree with that. (laughs) Because women are are of service. And you know, if you have someone in your circle who can't afford to work with you and you have an abundance coming in, then yes, you can decide to to offer something pro bono or at a lesser lesser price. But when women earn more money, there's studies that say uh that they 90% of women who earn more money invest it in causes that they care about love it so love the world that. gets to be a better place when women mm-hmm. make more money so that's why i think there's just there's just so much in culture and society and in the dynamics of the corporate world that make it really, really hard for women to succeed to those upper echelons in the corporate world where you're making a multiple six-figure salary, and that that salary comes with strings attached, that there's, you know, impact to your family, there's impact to your emotional health, there's impact to your physical health. And women in the corporate world are held to a higher standard. I mean, we all know that harvard study from way way back of a case study of a man versus a woman and and in. And... In the case study where the same exact persona was presented as a woman, she was just harsh and cutthroat. And Mm -hmm. as a man, she was assertive and successful. So that double standard still exists. We've never moved beyond that point. So I think women more and more, especially because of the pandemic and especially because of having more flexibility, being able to work from home, they're leaning out more than they want to lean in. Yeah. I
0: also remember a lot of uh, articles pre-pandemic, uh, which felt like they were very much geared towards women. Can women have it all? Can women have balanced lives? And it feels like all it took was a pandemic and for the world to shut down to realize, oh, actually, yes, we can have balanced lives and we can do as much as we want to do. If that is doing it all, then so be it. We just don't necessarily need the traditional nine to five office space and dress code to to do that we can work from home take care of families and be really productive workers all from a remote working facility or all from our home that is very possible and I I'm interested to know what the the traditional nine to five workforce and an office is going to look like in five or ten years because I think that we've reached a marked change and we're probably
1: never going back And that's another opportunity in the market that someone who's interested could go help solve, because leaders are struggling with how do I manage a hybrid workforce? How do I keep corporate culture alive? How do I keep my team productive when we're no longer in the same physical space anymore? And um, so I think that is also an opportunity that needs solving. And I don't want to paint this rosy picture that you just make the leap and magically you replace your corporate paycheck. So there's there's um, some intensive hard work that I think everyone needs to do, which is why in the Launch Lab we compress that to four months. So at the end of four months, you've like tested and vetted your value proposition. You have, you're clear on your money-making business model, and then you can go out there and go slay them and, and go make that happen. But if you don't have that grounding, if you don't have that perspective, then the danger is that you can flail around for a while. But the mindset sure. piece is, you know, you're not going to die. You're not going to go <laughs> broke. You're not going to be homeless and living in a box under a bridge you know, you'd never let yourself do that. (laughs) Yes. No, totally. (laughs) But that's, those are the thoughts. Those are the thoughts that keep people stuck where they are. Like, oh, you know, I need this security right now. And Mm -hmm. sometimes my clients do opt to keep a job while they build out their side hustle. And then the reframe is my company is the first investor in my new business. Ooh, love that. Oh, well, let's let's actually talk about the work that you do, which is which
0: I really love. It's also part of why I wanted to have you on the show, because you're not just talking about women getting into entrepreneurship, but you also provide resources for women who want to launch into entrepreneurship. Uh, women who have participated in the Great Resignation are ready for their own great do over, dare I say. So please talk to me more about the Launch Lab and the great do over.
1: So The Great Do-Over is my parent company, and I have three programs. The Launch Lab for Women Entrepreneurs is that core offering for women who are are making the leap. And um, there's a brief assessment that I have if it's cool to drop a URL. um, Definitely. Okay. So it's launchlabassessment.com. And if you have show notes, we can drop that in the the show notes. That's just a tool for you to get some insight into where you are well prepared to launch a business and the key areas that you'd need to focus on if if you were to actually make the leap. Um, from there, there's also a life after corporate Facebook group because life after corporate (laughs) is my podcast. So I like to name things, you know, drives my branding consultant crazy, but under the great do over is the life after corporate podcast, the launch lab for women entrepreneurs. And, uh, this is the place where you go to, to get clarity there. And there's also a pricing calculator. So I, I love tools. I love practical tools. So if you want to reverse engineer your, your six-figure salary and figure out how you'd need to price your services and how many clients you'd need to get, um, your listeners can actually send a text to 66866 with the word mm-hmm. pricing. And uh, we will then, you, you give us your email address and your first name, and and then you get an email with the pricing calculator. And you can model out what it would take. And that really opens people's eyes because they think, oh my God, how would I ever replace a six-figure salary? Well, mm-hmm. if you're selling something that's, that's $5,000, then you need 20 clients to get to 100K. If you're selling something to corporations and it's $20,000, then you need five clients to get to 100K. It's not a mystery. <laughs> you know, this is... <laughs> <laughs> this is not a mystery and you know you get what you what you focus your attention on grows so i think focusing our attention on money is, is an important conversation. So how you price your services, how you get your mindset aligned behind your value and your return on advantage is a great first step. And then get with a cohort of other women entrepreneurs who are building out their business strategies. You learn as much from each other as you do from your coach or your mentor in that program. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of why the great do-over was really because everything was possible and uh, true confessions. I actually coached women who were divorced and how to date again.
0: (laughs) Ooh, so it's, it's, it's a very holistic do-over. Well, it was, I don't do (laughs) that.
1: No, I don't do that anymore. But if you sign up for my email list, I do, I do tell that story about my OkCupid dating profile and, and how I taught other women how to hack the algorithms to get, get better (laughs) results. But um, yeah, so the great do-over started out as many things, but now exclusively focused on the business launch perspective of helping you replace that six figure salary as a coach or a consultant or as a service provider. It's not as hard as you think it is.
0: Black and Yellow Nation, if you are feverishly taking notes uh, with uh, for all of this information, do not worry. It will also be linked in show notes so you can learn all about The Great Do-Over, all about Launch Lab. Do not feel like you have to pause, sc- uh, scroll back, and write everything down. I will have clean links for you to figure out how to make your own six-figure career um, two more questions to round this interview out. One is more of a general one. How do you think the increase of female entrepreneurs will shape our labor force in the future?
1: That's a great question. And I don't know that I have a clear answer on that. But I just know that women are focused on problems that matter around people, planet, and profits. So it's not that we're all, you know, oh, let's let's all go be social workers and, and, you know, solve the problems of the world. I think this new crop of women entrepreneurs is focused on, yeah, let's be conscious capitalists. Let's look at how our actions and what we're doing are impacting our our environment, how we're impacting cultures and people how we're supporting to move the needle, whether it's with with children, with an aging population, or with women in the workforce. And how can we do that and be profitable? Because when women are profitable, as I said before, they give back to the causes they care about. Um, So I think that we'll see a shift into conscious capitalism with more women entrepreneurs. Love that. And just to round this interview out
0: for any of my audience members who are listening and who want to get into entrepreneurship, but are feeling unsure, they're not really willing to give up the corporate paycheck, the five weeks of paid vacation time, that still blows my mind. My goodness. Um, What advice would you give to them? How would you encourage them to start and keep going?
1: So first of all, it's um, it's an inside job, right? So what is your tolerance for risk? Are you willing to give yourself a period of time? And it has to be a fairly good long runway, like two years, you know, two to three years to really make a go out of it. And you need to have a financial cushion. You can't do this with, you know, two bucks in your pocket and some bubble gum. I mean, you really have to be able to invest in the systems, the processes, uh, getting as much help as you can afford. And you don't have to bring on team at first. Uh, You can use virtual talent, but you need to be able to hire people who are experts and get a mentor. So it's so important Mm -hmm. that you invest in coaching and mentorship and uh, collaboration with other other women leaders. Um, I think that's... I think that's pretty much it, you know, assess your, your tolerance for risk, have a problem to solve that's a real problem. Test, don't guess, don't guess about your value <laughs> proposition, don't guess about your business model, test out your idea, you know, make sure you're speaking to humans and you're having them contribute to how your business would run. Speaking to your ideal clients before you launch your business is probably the most valuable thing any new entrepreneur can do. Deborah
0: Boulanger, this has been a great conversation. Uh, I love that I, that there are six figures out in the world waiting for me to make. Thank you so much for giving me and my listeners that inspiration. For anyone who wants to keep up with you, where can they find you? We want all the socials, all the websites, all the plugs.
1: Yeah, so thegreatdoover.com is the, the umbrella website. And of course, I'm on Instagram. It's deb underscore boulanger. Uh, and again, we'll put that in show notes if you can't spell boulanger, um, (laughs) which most people can't, uh, and, uh, also LinkedIn, uh, do a lot of posting on LinkedIn, a lot of videos. And if you'd like that pricing calculator, just text the 66866 and uh, type the word pricing in the text of that message. And that is a great way to get on my mailing list. And the Pricing Masterclass is coming up soon. I offer that every couple of months. And there's lots of ways we can stay connected from there. And shoot me a DM. I mean, if you have heard this podcast (laughs) and Hasta La Vista 9 to 5 on Black and Yellow, definitely shoot me a DM and say, I saw you there. I'm sure I have a free gift to send to you somewhere. (laughs)
0: deb is out here making sure that you make six figures and she wants you to crawl into her dms so black and yellow nation reach out stay connected uh thank you so much deb for coming on and speaking with us this has been really really fantastic
1: oh alana thank you so much for inviting me this was a real treat for me too so i want you to know how much i appreciate you and the conversations that you're bringing forth in this podcast great job
0: that's our show, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'm Alana Webster. If you want to follow me on the socials, I am at Renegade of Fun. If you want to follow the podcast on social, I am at Black and Yellow Podcast. If you want to shoot me an email and tell me your deepest, darkest secrets, you can totally do that. Podcast Black and Yellow at gmail.com. Thank you so much to Deborah for stopping by and talking to me today. And as always, if you like the show, if you like what you heard, please hop on over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe, rate, and review so you never miss an episode. And while you're at it, tell a friend about it because that's really what makes this tiny show grow. And I would love to keep bringing you more episodes in the future. Thank you so much for spending your time with me and I'll talk to you next week. Bye guys.